following is a production of Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. Another edition of 83 to infinity your sixers podcast john brown mike jones mike jones john brown what's happening brother oh man it's a good day all right well, right off the bat got a question for you i'm listening all right jj reddick or hersey hawkins who you got can you be more specific please okay all around all, shooter oh look we got time all around shooter both of them who you got you got her you got Hersey Hawkins, you got JJ Reddick. All right. So see, all around, I'm absolutely go Hersey Hawkins. Okay. There's no question. Why? That JJ Reddick is a guy who has between the time he came in the league out of Duke and now mm-hmm. been one of the hardest working, most focused guys in in the NBA during that stretch. He was a guy who when the Sixers brought him in recently, I said not only was it a great thing for his shooting mm-hmm. ability, but also because he was a guy who understood what NBA work ethic was like. Mm-hmm. I'm a J.J. Redick fan. I'm not a du- and, and uh, <laughs> He's a Duke guy. Yes. And I'm so still a J.J. Redick fan. Mm-hmm. Were you a J.J. Redick fan before he came to the Sixers? No. Okay. I thought he was a good shooter. Mm -hmm. I appreciate what he does on the court, but was I a fan, though? Okay. That being said, Hersey Hawkins, better defender. Mm -hmm. And let's let's go ahead and put this out there. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say people might not like it when I say it. But, you know, I saw somebody on Twitter today, and they made this comment that made me mad. You know what the comment was? They said, there's nothing around that was around 30 years ago that's better than it is now. That just... Say that again? The person on Twitter posted that there was nothing 30 years ago that is better than it is now. And they were that made that comment in relation to sports. Like, no matter what it is, Everything that happened 30 years ago is worse than it is now. I completely disagree. How can you how can you say that if you if if you haven't seen it? How do you say that? I don't understand. I don't understand. It's one it's one of these youngsters who thinks yeah. my that recency bias everything that's happening now must be new and improved and better and you just believe the lies the advertising people have sold you. Okay. But truth be told, let's be clear, let's be completely honest. Mm-hmm. If the NBA 30 years ago had the same rules it has now, Dana Barros might have been Steph Curry. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm not, I'm, no, and, not wrong. And I'm dead serious. The NBA rules over the last 15 to 20 years have been adjusted 
to consistently give advantages to offensive players. That you cutters can't get bumped anymore. No more hand checking. They literally get, changed the travel rule to give the offensive players an extra half step. I'm not sure what a half step is, but it really translates into an extra step. Mm. But they gave players that. Like, there's all sorts of little tweaks they've made to the rules, and all of those rules have been to benefit offensive players because in the post-Michael Jordan NBA, there was a lot of bad basketball going on for about 15 years. Okay, yeah, definitely. I think a lot lot of bad basketball, and I think a lot of owners realize, I, I personally believe a lot of owners realize that championships don't necessarily make you money. Filling up the arenas make you money. But I, I would say filling arenas make you money. Filling, filling arenas make you I, money. But I would say championships and winning will fill arenas. Hmm? If you're winning, you'll fill the arena. Sixers ain't winning any championships, but Allen Iverson filled those seats. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying championships are the only ways to fill arenas, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying but championships I'm, will fill arenas. Championships will fill arenas, but, but if, if you, you can't have, win, but if you can't win, just get that big name superstar who will sell tickets. Yes, and, and we can make I, this, and we can I make think, money. But I think a lot of teams were like, "All right, you know, we got that. That's mm-hmm. what we got." But you know, instead of you know trying to win a championship. With an Allen Iverson or a Vince Carter, and this is not and this is not the debate of whether or not Allen Iverson and Vince Carter, Carter were. We're not talking about yeah, that. We're yeah. just talking about the team building concept. Yeah, yeah we're talking team building concept and built and filling arenas. Mm-hmm. There are people who are just like, "Hey, man, I got a I got a superstar. Well, I don't same, need to necessarily the same build thing. a championship." The, the team building concept was based around filling arenas rather than mm. how how likely are to how likely are we to win a championship. Yeah. And that was the case for a long time. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of that, you see teams like San Antonio, who everybody thought was boring, mm-hmm. winning, championships. winning championships. But okay. to my point, mm-hmm. San Antonio was always selling out games because they would win. Mm-hmm. A team like Detroit, they were boring. But they won. But they won, and they and sold out games during that talk, winning You're streak. talking to Chauncey Bullets. The Chauncey Bullets years. Okay. Rasheed Wallace, Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn. Prince, Ben Wallace, that team. Mm-hmm. They sold out while they were together, but they were not exciting at all. Not exciting at all. So you saw an interesting dichotomy because from Harold Miner to whoever else we're talking about, everybody, you know, teams looking for that next Jordan. Those teams might sell tickets for a little bit, but then they'd lose and they'd have to find their next big name to try to carry them over for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. But a team like the Spurs, they had no issues for fifteen name for fifteen plus years. They just took these no name guys that you never heard of and turned them into superstars because they were winning. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about basketball. B- being a quote unquote superstar doesn't help you win, mm-hmm. but winning will turn you into a superstar. Okay, so let's shift the conversation now to our team, mm-hmm. New York Sixers. Your town, your 76ers. Mm-hmm. Tough loss on Wednesday night. The toughest kind of, kind of loss. It happens. Is that how you feel? Is that your pretty I mean, is that your assessment? I know there's more that's deeper to get into it, but as are there in a the lot, grand, in the there grand, are a lot of people there bottom line, there are a lot of people talking about Fire Brett Brown right now. The Fire Brett Brown Brigade. The, oh, that, the FBBB. 
The F3B, the right. Fire Bre- Brown. Brown Brigade. They're they out are, after yes, every loss. Yes. Let me see. Here's the thing with that the, that group, though. So we're talking about how many wins? What's the Sixers record right now? 41-24. 41-24. Yes. So you have 41 wins. 24 losses. 24 losses. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you after each and every one of those 24 losses, that Brett Brown, that Fire Brett Brown Brigade mm-hmm. was out in full of force. So, so let me ask you this. I'm putting it but, out there right now. Is the fire Brett Brown? Is the fire Brett Brown? Brigade, they're idiots. They're, oh, say that again. They're idiots. You're an idiot if you want to fire Brett Brown. At this point, right now, yes, you're an idiot. Okay. All right. The fire, like, think. Let's seriously. The fire Brett Brown brigade is out after every game, and but this same group of people that want to fire Brett Brown and blame him for every loss to say what everything the players did is on him. In the loss, they don't grant that same level of accountability, the same level of responsibility to Brett Brown after those 40-some wins, mm-hmm. which far outnumbered the losses. If I don't get how when a team wins 41 games, those wins are all about the players and the talent and the players. Did, but in 20-some losses, oh, the players don't listen to the coach now. They didn't. Mm. That that seems completely ridiculous to me. Like it's ludicrous. It's insipid. It's asinine. It's blatherskite. I went to the I went to the thesaurus. I mean, on you, you for real pulling out these? I went to the thesaurus on you. Words. It's blatherskite. I'm not even gonna try to pronounce that. But anyway, here's the problem. The fire broke. You you take a look at that way they lost mm-hmm. going into last night. Uh, going into Wednesday night's game, there was. Pretty much very little cause to believe that the Sixers should lose that game. So back to back. So back okay. It's still Chicago. It's the back Chicago, to back. It's still Chicago. Chicago's still butt cheeks. Anything can happen in a back to back. Two nights can, can two games and, two games and two nights in a back to back, anything can happen. And see the in a regular season NBA game, what a lot of people have to understand, NBA coaches. Mm-hmm. Treat regular season games like NFL coaches te- treat preseason games. And what I mean by that is if you watch an NFL coach in a preseason game, mm-hmm. he's not doing any opponent-specific game planning. Mm-hmm. He's coming out with the attitude, this is what we run, we're going to run that, let's hope it works. Okay. That's how NBA head coaches approach regular season games. Mm-hmm. With 82 games, maybe a day or two to prepare at the most and very few practices going on during the season. Okay. I approach uh, as a coach, I would approach the approach to the game is this is our stuff, that's what we're going to run. Let's see how it works. Okay. Which is a very different approach than what you're going to have to the playoffs where I know my opponent for the next 4 to 7 games and I'm going to sit down and break down tape and say they do this well, they do that well. Mm. So in a regular season game, stuff like this can happen. Okay, this is a point I brought up when we were talking on social media earlier today. Okay. In 1995-1996, that was the year Michael Jordan's first full year out of back from retirement. Tony Kukoc is in Chicago. Mm. Dennis Rodman comes to Chicago. It's the beginning of the new three, the new the second three peak. The season started in late October, early November. Mm -hmm. 
in September, start of this, that school year, I say to my friend, our benefactor, James Lewis III, mm-hmm. host of Lance J Radio Show yeah. yes. on 1060 AM Phoenix, and I say to him, and he's a witness to this, which is why I called his name, in mm-hmm. August, Bulls will go 72-10. and 10. I call it on the number. Okay. 72 and 10. No matter what the season looked like, 72 and 10. And you know, and the thing is, they went 72 and 10. Mm-hmm. But two of those losses that year to the same team. Do you know who that team was? Um, was it Orlando? The expansion Toronto Raptors. Ah, ah you know what? Run by Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. Damon Stoudemire as the first pick. Mm-hmm. This was this, not a good team at that point. This is before. This is before Marcus Camby. So yeah, yeah, this okay. is before Marcus Camby. Mm-hmm. This is Damon Stoudemire's first year, rookie Damon Stoudemire. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a team that should ever beat the seventy-two win championship best team ever type Bulls, but they beat them twice. What did it mean in the grand scheme of things? Not a darn thing. Not a thing. So basically, so what you are saying is people are taking a look at that game. They're taking a look at the Chicago game, and they're saying, look at the the way they played down the stretch. Look at the defensive laps. Let's take a look at that defensive laps when – Now, we're going to get to that. You want to get to that now? Yeah, let's get get to to it. Defensive laps Yeah, let's get to that because this is is how I'm pivoting. Okay. Because there are a lot of people who take a look at how that went down, and they put that on Brett Brown. Do you? That's the question. At the end of the game, the defensive lap, no way I put that on Brett Brown. Okay. A simple reason. Now, I played basketball. Mm-hmm. I didn't play in the NBA. No. But I played a decent level of basketball. I've coached at a decent level of basketball. Okay. And I've done at basketball analysis. Mm-hmm. First thing you learn playing defensive basketball is quite simple. I don't know if you've been coached or not, but I'm going to ask you and put it out to you. I'm going to put it out to you. Okay. If you're playing defense on basketball, five on five, who's the most dangerous person on the court for the other team? The guy with the ball. The guy with the ball is the most dangerous guy on the court. Got that right. That's basic. Mm -hmm. You learn that early on. You're playing first grade basketball, second grade, whatever level you're playing when you before you're ten years old. Mm-hmm. You learn the guy with the ball is the most dangerous guy. Play defense on him if you're playing defense on anybody. If you watch that that segment, that clip, the last couple seconds of that game, when Chicago ran the dribble handoff, both defenders went with the screener rather than no one stayed with the ball. What am I going to do? Look at the coach and say you never taught the guys to guard the ball? You 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 really do you honestly believe that the coach told the players that if you're in that situation, both guys go with the roll band and everybody leave the ball? You don't believe that actually happened, do you? You'd be surprised. No one could believe that actually happened. I think people believe that. No, and, and this is why I say basketball fans are idiots. Because if you believe that happened, you're an idiot. I'm not here to defend whether or not basketball fans are idiots <laughs> because there are. And, and honestly, I'm not quite sure if all those idiots are basketball fans. That's I true, would, too. 
But there are a lot of idiots out there. There are a lot of idiots out there. And you know where you can find a lot of these idiots? You can find them on Facebook. <laughs> oh, man. That's the truth. You can find there a lot you know, of You know there's a reason I've been on Facebook since 2013, right? Yes. That's why. So let me talk to you. About, there's a new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not even sure if it's new. But people like to create groups on Facebook to have sporting conversation and sporting dialogue. Okay. That's not the worst idea. It's not the worst idea. However, the worst ideas are usually spread in these groups. (sighs) Because here's the thing. There is a reason why people like Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless and Nick Wright and Max Kellerman and Mike Missinelli and Howard Eskin and Angelo Cataldi, all those people make millions. Mm-hmm. And that's not, and that is not an endorsement of their sporting acumen or their sporting knowledge. No, Ringling but Brothers are great marketers. But it's like, look, man. In, so you missed that one. No, I got you. <laughs> I got you. But the fact is, there's a reason why those dudes make all this money and that there are people on Facebook just spreading their opinions for free. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you get into these Facebook groups, you're dealing with people who aren't as smart as Missinelli. And this is not as smart as Howard Eskin, not as smart as Stephen A. Smith, not as smart as Max Kellerman, not as smart as Nick Wright, not as smart as, as, as Skip Bayless. They're just not. And that's not to say that Skip Bayless or, or any of those guys are necessarily right. smart, so, but you're not as smart as them. So you're saying... You're not as like the people you're engaging in sports conversations with are not as smart as a three ring circus full of clowns. A lot of them aren't. May I give you? And I'm not saying who's a clown. Yeah, I'm just saying you just named the three ring circus full of clowns. Mm -hmm. I did. Not all of them are clowns. Not all of them are clowns. Not every talking head on television is a clown. There are some people who there are knowledgeable people. And there are people more knowledgeable than others. Absolutely. There are people more knowledgeable than others. I mean, we, we know that. Mm-hmm. However, well, let's, let, me, let, me, let me present to you a scenario. Let me present to you a Facebook group argument. This is, this is the question. Uh, I don't necessarily need you to answer this because I know your answer. So let me go. Let me take you here. This is the debate. Does Ben Simmons suck? Is Ben Simmons trash? What? Stop Stop making that face. I see the face that you're making. Hey, what do you even mean? Does ben, he suck? Does Ben Simmons suck? Is he trash? Is Ben Simmons trash? We're talking about a 21-year-old NBA all-star who averages, what, 17, Seven, 8, and 17, six, 8, and 9. Seven. 165 career games. Rookie of the year. Follow that two, up with an all-star Two seasons game. played, two seasons. Well, at, at the end of the season, it'll be two seasons played, two seasons in the playoffs, mm-hmm. both with a top half seed. And we're talking about a young point guard, which is notoriously the hardest position in the NBA to play for a young player because there's so much decision-making involved mm-hmm. and maturity and leadership yes. involved yes. that a 21-year-old kid to come out and bring his team to 50-year win t- seasons twice in a row is what it looks like is about to happen. Happening, you're asking me, does he suck? Tina, same team that won 10 games, what, 
three years ago? Without him. Without him. Mm-hmm. It's now 50 win team. It's about to be a 50 win team for the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm asking you, I, I'm presenting this to you. And this is a rhetorical question because I, look, bruh, I'm not asking this, but this is what, this is what you get in Facebook groups. Does Ben Simmons suck because Ben Simmons can't or won't shoot? Boom. I'm on Facebook. Now, boom. There you go. Now, okay. Now you, you threw in the last part because he can't shoot. Now, I'll be honest. There's room for improvement. There's lots of room for improvement. Okay. Now before but you go before a, you go in, before you go in, I want you I want I want you to clarify and acknowledge something for me. Do you believe that there is a difference between being a problem and being problematic? Yes. Okay. Would you, Bench Simmons not being able to shoot is, is a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas let me give you an example. Um, try to think. How about this? Andre Iguodala, mm-hmm. his jump shot when he was with Philly, or Evan Turner when his his jump shot when he was with Philly was problematic. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ben Simmons' jump shot is a problem because it's not great right now. But if you watch his mechanics, if you watch the tapes when he's in shoot-arounds and practices, mm-hmm. his mechanics aren't bad. Mm-hmm. He is actually capable of shooting. It's a mm-hmm. confidence thing. It's a mental thing. Whereas if you remember Evan Turner or Iguodala, you watch their mechanics, mm-hmm. their jump shots were broken. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I say they were problematic. It okay. was going to be a systemic. Like, this is just not going to work out okay. with their jump shot. Well, here's the th- I think we're I think we're on the same page, but I view the terminology differently. Okay. I think I think in in essence we agree. Where I would say, okay, you know what? Ben Simmons' unwillingness to shoot. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily going to say he can't shoot. No, I'll never say he can't shoot. But he won't shoot. He won't shoot. I feel and like I think that that's is, a currently a problem. I think that's problematic. How, however, what your your assessment of the situation, mm-hmm. I agree with. Like I just, I just, I just use the terminology term. in yeah, the opposite. Because yeah. okay, I think it's currently a problem, mm-hmm. but I think going forward it won't be problematic because okay. it's something he can grow mm-hmm. out of. Okay, I, I, well, so I, I use the term mm-hmm. problematic mm-hmm. as something that is more systemic and like mm-hmm. and indicative mm-hmm. of a ongoing problem okay. whereas where I use the word problem it's more right now okay I well I, I've I see what you're saying I guess I use the terminology in the opposite but what I'm saying but I think we're on the same page. we are yes we are definitely on the same page because I feel like you know what having a point guard that can't slash won't shoot is problematic but it's something that right I feel he's given me enough to warrant patience. Oh, absolutely warrants patience. Warrants patience. But, well, having a point we're guard definitely that, on the same yeah, page. It yeah, definitely warrants yeah. patience. So so for me, having a point guard that can't slash won't shoot is problematic. Mm-hmm. Because that's Ben You Simmons. remember Ray John Rondo oh, 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 in Boston? Oh, hold on. Before, before you make that point. Like, having a point guard, like, Ben, ben Simmons can't, won't shoot, problematic. MCW can't shoot, can't pass was a problem. And and, and, I, and, I, and I think that's actually where we get into nuance, semantics, mm-hmm. choice of words. But, mm-hmm. Because for me, Ben Simmons, MCW, 
neither one of them are good shooters. Okay. And for whatever current team they're on, mm-hmm. that's a problem. But MCW has poor mechanics and a lot of other things, which make it an ongoing issue, mm-hmm. which is where I would use the word problematic because mm-hmm. it's it's more of an ingrained mm-hmm. systemic thing. Like, do you agree? So, do you agree that Ben Simmons? But the people compare Ben say Ben Simmons is just a taller MCW. Not a club, not even a chance. Why? MCW was a guy whose stats were good because he was on a bad team. Mm-hmm. You put him on better teams, and his numbers pretty much disappeared with it. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, that's not the case. Ben Simmons is 17, gives you 17. 17, 8, and 9 on a 51 team, and he's still improving. Mm -hmm. Whereas MCW, you kind of knew he had pretty much hit his ceiling his rookie year. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a whole lot of room room for improvement with him and what he was doing on the court at that point. Mm -hmm. MCW was a 6'5 guard who literally had the worst field goal percentage in the league outside of five feet. That I don't, I don't know if you understand what I just said. Mm-hmm. He was a six-foot-five player who had the worst field goal percentage outside in the league outside of five feet. Yes. So That's a special brand of bad right that's there. A, that's a special brand of bad. And that will never fly in the league for it. It's one thing to be unwilling to shoot. Mm-hmm. MCW proved that he was incapable of shooting. That puts you in a whole different arena. So, in your eyes, you feel like what you see. Mm-hmm. And I bring you into this conversation because you're an X and O's guy. You don't like to wade in the minutia of you know, analysis, opinion, stuff like that. You go to the X and O's. That's your bread and butter. I'll go to analysis, not the opinion, though. Mm. So, I was in a Facebook debate mm-hmm. with somebody who was convinced that Ben Simmons is trash. Mm-hmm. In fact, his exact words was Ben Simmons was asked because he can't shoot. <laughs> I said, hey, man, 17, 9, and 8. He might not be a shooter, but he's a scorer. There's a difference between a shooter and a scorer. Mm-hmm. There he, is. He says, so I, w- I, w- I want to bring you in here. His argument was Ben Simmons scores 17 points a game because defenses give him 17 points. <laughs> Michael, that was a real argument. This is a real argument. Ben Simmons scores 17 points a game because defenses give him 17 points. Say, bruh. Sixers score 115 points a night. 115 points a night, they give up 112. You're telling me, you're telling me that if you know you can hold a team under your average, you're going to give him 17 points? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to start laughing. You're not laughing at me. I'm telling you. I'm sorry. I I really didn't mean to start laughing. I relayed the message. But, like, seriously, like, what did I say about basketball fans before? said they're idiots. Exactly. And no offense to basketball fans, but seriously, who gives anybody any points in the NBA? Nobody. 
Secondly, mm-hmm. uh, as a former point guard and former coach, mm-hmm. I will tell you this specifically. If as a if you can back off the point guard and dare him to shoot knowing he won't, you're not giving him anything. You're making it harder for him. Because now you're in his driving lanes, you're in his passing lanes, and he's not a threat from the outside if he's not shooting, so I'm not giving him anything. I'm making it harder. That's terrible logic. If my logic is defenses don't respect him, if I'm on a player I don't respect, Mm -hmm. I'm all up in his jersey and his chest forcing him to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. If I got a guy who I think is dangerous but his jump shot is questionable, I want to get back into his passing lanes and his driving lanes, Mm -hmm. try to make everything as hard as possible for him. Okay. Because I know he has maybe one weakness in his game. I'm not giving him anything. Mm Mm-hmm. So for anyone who makes the argument that defense is giving him something has no no idea how a basketball game actually works. That's the end of the story. You just don't know how the game works. You're not arguing with me. I'm t- this is what you get in Facebook groups. That's what that's what I said. That's why I said you got people everyone believes that they in this social media era, in this age of social media, Mm-hmm. People be- think people think they know more than every expert, and now that there's Facebook, now that there's Twitter, now that there's Instagram, everyone th- everyone believes that they ha- they now have a voice. They now have a voice to express themselves and articulate an opinion that they feel is better than people who get paid for their opinions. You can have a voice and still be wrong. Yeah. Oh, I know. I definitely a whole don't. lot of people got voices and they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. I I could go through a whole list. People <laughs> got voices all the time, mm-hmm. but you're not one of them, though. <laughs> <laughs> real, on, quick, real quick, real quick, real quick, because I, I we spent a lot of time with with this nonsense. How how worried are you about this Joel Embiid injury? At this point, based on the reports. I'm not worried at all. Mm. Do you think it was a mistake to play in the All-Star game and play as many minutes? No, not at all. Okay. Honestly, for a guy that size, generally speaking, it's not something like an All-Star game that affects him. Mm -hmm. It's the exact opposite. It's time off. Mm -hmm. Two, three, four, four days a week off, especially when you're that big, it affects your conditioning, and and in turn, that will affect if your conditioning's off. Then you start to feel extra pressure on your joints and such. And I think it w- probably would have been better for Embiid to keep playing every other day, even during the break, rather than taking the time off. Mm-hmm. So, especially when you hear the diagnosis look from doctors and look at the scans, there's nothing structurally wrong. Mm-hmm. So. Embiid is likely would have benefited from no all-star break at all, just keep playing basketball on a regular rhythm. Mm-hmm. The second he gets four days off, his conditioning is going to suffer. And if the conditioning suffer at 300 pounds, 7'2", or whatever else it is, you're going to feel it. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, the all-star break had more of a negative effect on Joel Embiid, in my opinion, than 
playing in the All-Star game did. He missed four games up up until this recent stretch where he's missed the last, what, seven games and probably will probably miss an eighth and, and a ninth. Mm-hmm. But up until then, he missed four. Whereas you look at where he's been the last two seasons, I'll, you know, up until then, you know, I'll take that. I'm not ready to work. I'm, I, I can't be panicked about this yet. I'm not ready to panic on this. What's there to panic for? Because it's Joel Embiid and he's hurt. So? So you? So what you're saying is not, no harm, no foul. Were you expecting the Sixers to win a championship this way any, this year anyway? Yeah. I wasn't. No, I, I'm joking. They still have a hole that, that it's not going to, that they're not going to, they have a major hole that will not allow them to win a championship this year no matter what. And what the, what is that hole? They are not good defensively at the guard position. You ain't wrong about that. You ain't wrong about that. And I said that a few weeks ago. That was on display on Wednesday with Zach Levine going for mm-hmm. almost 40. That was a point I brought up a few weeks ago when we had Anthony Gilbert on. Mm-hmm. And until J.J. Reddick's not a defensive answer. Mm-hmm. No, you were Ben Simmons, as good as he is, he's a seven-footer. His feet aren't going to be quick enough to guard point guards. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, he can't guard everybody. No. And he's pushing 30 years old, so at some point he's going to lose a little quickness as well. You mm-hmm. you need to fi- find an answer defensively, which is, for better or worse, the one thing you really could have used out of Markel Foltz. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny because, and we'll make this the last point before we get out of here. Uh, just came out in a report that Orlando does not does not think that Markel Fultz will play this year. No. And to me, that that makes sense to me, and it makes more sense of the trade. Whereas, yeah, you know, we can agree that we don't believe that the Sixers team, as currently constructed is ready to win a championship. But they're still in win-now mode. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was te- – to me, I knew – I kind of figured you weren't going to see Markel Fultz this season when the Sixers traded him. And this is why. At the beginning of the season, they tried to jam Fultz and uh, Simmons into the same backcourt, and it wasn't working. So they bring in Jimmy Butler, move Fultz back to the bench bring Reddick back into the starting lineup. But later on down the seat, down the line, you see the you see Brett Brown toying with the idea of having Jimmy Butler bring up the, uh play the point and moving Ben Simmons to the front court. And it works in spurts. But to me, it was interesting to see why they weren't trying this with Fultz. It's like if you're going to put Fultz and Simmons on the floor at the same time, don't put Fultz at the two and Simmons at the one. Put Fultz at the one and put Simmons at the four. Like why were you not trying that? But once they traded Fultz, it's like, you know, that's why. Because he ain't going to play this season. See, you just brought up a whole nother conversation that'll have us here for. Well, we ain't we ain't got time, we for, got that. time for that. We ain't got time for that. We'll bring that up next week on, on next week's I'm gonna show. I'm gonna leave it alone. 
Mm-hmm. Bring it up next week. We can get back into it. But that you just opened a can of worms that'll have us here for a long time. Oh boy! All right. Well, look, man, we got lots of time. Oh, well, not tonight, but not today, not this week. But you know, we always got time. That, no, there you we'll go. get into it. All right. We'll, we we will get into it. But for now, just a reminder: you can hear these podcasts every week on phillygoflow.com at eight a.m. and four a.m. 8 a.m. on Saturday mornings and then Saturday night slash Sunday mornings. Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there following offense, defense, and discourse with two really cool brothers. You know, uh, I think the names are John Brown and Mike Jones. Have you ever heard of them? Sound like good guys. They do sound like good guys. Two really cool brothers who just sit around and talk sports. But anyway, always you can download this podcast, soundcloud.com slash BITW sports, or you can search iTunes. And just search the best in the world sports report. This has been 83 to infinity. The realest Sixers podcast of all time. There are a lot of Sixers podcasts. A lot of podcasts out there talking basketball. But you can chill with your brothers right here. Mm -hmm. It's me and Mike. Mike Mike and John. Guys, we'll see you guys next week. All right? Peace. Peace. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.